All right, we're back with another episode of Swag Tier. I'm Steven. And I'm Megan. And just this past weekend, I got back from attending Boston Fig, which was the Boston Festival of Indie Games that I spoke about in our last episode. I took a trip from New York to Boston. It's a just a $30 bus ride. Usually it takes 45 hours. 40, and 45 four hours? 425. Oh, <laughs> I was like, 45 hours does not sound right. <laughs> that would be if I'm, if I'm walking, I guess. Oh, wow. Actually, is that even a valid, like, if you walked for two days, would you actually be able to make it from New York to Boston? I have literally no idea. Why don't you I'm use your look clacky, clacky keyboard? Yeah. Okay. Plotting directions from my house to MIT via walking. 72 hours. Holy so, crap. <laughs> three days. If you if you walked three days over 213 miles, probably along highways. That's assuming you don't even take a break. <laughs> yeah, that's assuming you're able to walk straight for 72 hours. No, no pee breaks, no poop breaks. Who cares? I just do it in my pants. <laughs> that's it. That's what a bottle's for. What? <laughs> Eventually, you gotta. Okay. <laughs> we we're, we're gonna get a little explicit there. Here's our poop tag. <laughs> okay, so three days walking nonstop would get you there. Not forty-eight, not forty-five, but four to five hours driving will get you from New York City to Boston. It's a trip I would usually take pretty often during college. And honestly, I'm super familiar with it by now. So it's easy as pie. Or easy as cake. Yes, easy as pie cake. I actually looked that up, easy as cake, and it was on like some, I want to say like a Wiktionary site or something. I remember it was a, like a weird play on the word wiki. And mm -hmm. it was, it said synonym for easy as pie. But the thing, the saying really is easy as pie. Got it. And I guess it came from a piece of cake. The pie? No, I mean like this little spinoff oh. of easy as pie <laughs> came from a piece of cake. Got it. I guess some like dessertier wanted to get their pie reference in as well. So, I mean, all right, both trips were late. That's one thing about these buses. Uh, they do, uh, sometimes they do break down. I've never been on one that has, knock on wood. But a lot of times they run into traffic. On the way back, the AC broke down, so it was sweltering. Oh, hells to the no. We opened up the emergency hatches just to try to ventilate, which helped marginally while dramatically increasing how loud the bus was mm. because the wind was just ripping through. But I finally got there, and I met up with my friend Chris Kwan, who has thankfully been able to graciously host me whenever I'm in Boston for... Uh, a meetup or a convention, whether it's Boston Fig or whether it's PAX East. So I went with him and a few other friends, and we went for the one-day indie game extravaganza. There were both tabletop and digital games there. I would say varying quality of the games and varying polish, but I can always I always know that I'm going to find something interesting there. And usually, definitely, a few games that are worth talking about. This is kind of unrelated. I mean, it's an indie game, mm -hmm. but whatever happened to Spy Party? Is that game ever coming out? 
I feel like that game is in perpetual beta. That yeah. <laughs> sort of like Gmail. Yeah, that's true. Uh, though I guess did Gmail finally come out of beta? Ugh. I think so. I'm gonna look at my clicky clicky keyboard. I'm rolling my eyes. I'm doing my rolly rolly <laughs> eyes. <laughs> well, darn, I get redirected to inbox. All right, we'll leave that mystery as an exercise for the reader. <laughs> but uh, I should look into Spy Party. I know. Here, what's up with I that? I love that game. We'll, we'll, we'll have a follow-up next episode for that one. Yep. The games I wanted to talk about this time, I'll start off with a very, very simple game called Sad Hill Cemetery, hmm. which is played with the PlayStation Move. Sounds dark. Well, there's not a whole lot of graphics to this game. So... Like a lot of these PlayStation Move interactive experiences, you're not even looking at a screen. This game resembles a gunslinger duel in old westerns. Is this kind of like Joust? I would say it's more of a game where two gunslingers are holding the PlayStation Move very still at their side, pointed down. And then when the church bells stop tolling, you can lift up your gun and fire it at the other person where your gun is the PlayStation Move controller with the trigger. But the bells toll a random number of times between 2 to 12 rings. So you have to tensely wait for the bells to stop ringing, for you to hear that no more bells are ringing, and then quickly whip every gun. I'm getting sweaty just thinking about this. (laughs) I also want to go down to the little white church with Rebecca. We'll post up the, the classic video of Megan and Henderson dancing to Little White Church in the show notes. I think we posted it before. We definitely did. We should have added it to our in-joke wiki, that doesn't which exist. we still haven't created. <laughs> <laughs> so how'd you like the game? I enjoyed Sad Hill Cemetery. It was super simple, especially from a programming sense. You're just detecting movement during the bell ring phase. If someone significantly moves or tries to lift up their PlayStation Move controller, they're out. And then when the bells stop ringing, whoever fires first wins. Once you're playing against someone and actually looking that person in the eye, it is tense. You know that you don't have to be looking at them. It's probably better if you're not looking at them, but you do. You get in character that way. And so it's a quick, easy, fun experience that I would love to just bring out at a party and have everybody heckle and cheer you on. If I owned PlayStation Move controllers, which I don't. The next game up was called Stage Fright. This was a rhythm game using a piano, though they the developer said you could actually just use your keyboard, your computer keyboard. There were three keys for your left hand controlling a piano, three keys on your right hand. You didn't have to worry about the difference between a white key and a black key, just six keys altogether. And although it starts off as a normal rhythm game where you're playing piano notes as they come down, during the midway point of the song, you'll notice that some of the audience members' faces start distorting and blurring. And then you'll see the keys start shifting in color and warping around the screen. The music gets creakier and creepier as you hear phantoms of sound from your left or from your right headphone and this normal peaceful song twists itself as you presumably become overcome with stage fright into a weird kind of macabre game culminating in points where you hear 
squeaky, uh, screechy violin sounds, and the screen even inverts itself. So instead of the keys coming down from the top of the screen, they'll actually start streaming up toward the top of the screen. It was a kind of a twist on rhythm games because it tricks you into this false sense of security and it becomes something more. This doesn't sound like something I would like at all. This sounds you just would scary. You test this game. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I can already tell. I mean, I love rhythm games, but mm, I do not like this scary business. It, it was, it's definitely not a game for everybody. I would say it's, it is specifically a game if you are if you are interested in rhythm games and are open to creepy horror experiences. <laughs> so I got kind of excited when you started talking about the name because you called it, I mean, you said it was Stage Fright, and I was like, oh my mm -hmm. God, is this like related to Stage Presence? <laughs> it's completely opposite. <laughs> Ugh, yeah. There were some, some VR sets. I wouldn't say there were a ton. Even the VR sets that were there were usually pretty crowded, but... A lot of digital games and some interesting tabletop games too. One of the fun tabletop games that I think you might actually have liked, Megan, was called Insane Traffic. Oh my god, I already love it. <laughs> so it's it's a simple roll and move game. And what I mean by that is hmm, kind of games like the board portion of Mario Party. Oh my god. Please tell me you bought me this. <laughs> I didn't. Oh. I don't think it's even actually out for publishing yet. Is it on Kickstarter? It's, you can email them and ask for it. Oh my God, please give me their email address. I don't even need to hear what this <laughs> game is. I just heard the name and I want to buy it already. It was, it's super adorable too. Fun colors and a bouncy art style. So this was a game that simulates what it's like to drive in Manila in the Philippines, which apparently has crazy amounts of traffic and road rage. What? <laughs> yeah. That's that is surprising to me. <laughs> it it's infamous, which I was surprising to me too. But after I played this game, wow. So you are all drivers of taxis or buses or cars. Ubers trying to yeah, no, you're playing a completely different game there. You all pick out a car and roll a die to see how uh, far you move. The track is maybe, you know, 30 squares or so. Different squares have different effects. Some give you chaos cards, which are good things that you could put in your hand and use as abilities. Other road hazards might bump you back to the start of the, you know, six square segment you're on the board is modular others would bump you back just a few spaces and at each segment of the board that you pass you'll actually get points for being the first second or third one to pass that marker so one of the main way you get points is just by being super super fast literally out racing everybody to these mini checkpoints and then finally to the finish what you have to contend with are not only those hazards that I talked about bumping you backward, but all of the chaos cards. This is where the Mario Party element comes in. Not only can you use beneficial items on yourself to do a reverse blue shell and send you flying to the front of the pack in front of the person in front, 
But you can also use negative cards to say, uh, you know, I don't like that you rolled so high on that movement die. Roll it again. Or, oh, I saw you just passed that, uh, that oil slick. Let me put uh, a slow down card to make you move one space less. And now you're in the oil slick and you're going to slide backward. That is pissing me off. <laughs> but you're right. That's totally a Mario Party element. Like, how much can I F you up? Yes. It's a game with a high, high element of take that. It's funny because I was just looking at um, my Facebook memories. And one of them was this picture of a Mario Party cover. I think it was Mario Party 6. And it was basically like... I mean, they called the game F.U., and then it was like, of course, they didn't, they said the actual word, and then it was like, the fastest way to, like, lose all your friends. <laughs> it's, it was a game where you definitely got pretty heated, because you were screwing each other over at every turn, and being screwed over at every turn. Well, that sounds just like real life and driving, so I think it's perfect. <laughs> Who are these geniuses that thought of this? So, oh god, I actually don't know the company name. <laughs> uh... Oh, wait, wait. Okay, I have it in my bag. Give me one second. I'm pretty sure I took a card. Good. This is reminding me a little bit, I mean, minus the Mario Party elements, um, I played this one game that was what I would call a stupid car game, <laughs> where <laughs> all you did, it was you and it was a two-player game, and you had to try to park your car faster than the other person. I wish I could remember the name of this game. What? It was one of those like consoles that's not really a console and it's got like a hundred or something built in games oh, to it. I remember we played this together. Did we? On the Ouya. Is it, okay, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. What where did we play this? We played this at Chips Group's okay, friend's house. Okay. So th I didn't realize you were there with me because that's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> And I love that game. That game was so oh fun. My God. It was like two colored cars, like one blue one and one pink one. And it was like basically pixels. Yeah, not super even, simple. Yeah, not graphics. even looking good. And you just had to like maneuver around all these other cars and try to park faster. And like the better your parking job, the more points you got. Yeah. And you lose money by like knocking into other cars. Yes. <laughs> and basically all the women in my life, myself excluded, would be terrible at this game. <laughs> Even your mom? Oh, my God. My mother's the worst driver. <laughs> she, <laughs> When we were driving to the airport uh, on the way, like, we were leaving from California, Kate was sitting in the car like, I'm about to throw up. I just can't. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> my mom's the worst driver. I fear for my life when I get in the car with her because I just never know if I'm going to end up dead. <laughs> We ran into something. Oh my God. We were at Trader Joe's in California, and we ran into something, and my mom was like, oh, teehee, like, what was that? And my dad's just like, that was the curb. <laughs> Jesus. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I don't have a company name for this place, for, for these guys. Um, they're a really small, really, really early in indie game publisher. I mean, honestly, the, the car models that we used to keep track of where we were on the board were little pieces of cardboard that had a car printed on them and then that piece of cardboard would be stuck in a colored binder clip so it's i would say still a far way away from being published but it does what it does super super well even as a person who hates these roll and move games who hates games with high take that because i don't like taking people over or being dicked over it was 
just really fun and and lighthearted. Art style definitely helps. You can find them by Googling up Insane Traffic or going on their Twitter, Insane Traffic. I am so excited. I'm going to go look this up as soon as we're done with this. <laughs> I'm going to see like, how I can throw money at them. <laughs> I think they're actually based in the Philippines. Oh, well, that would explain how they know about Manila traffic. Yeah. <laughs> so it's exciting that they came over here. I hope to see them at PAX asterisk. Anything. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Based on how many PAX Wests we've missed, I'm not sure that's a guarantee for us anymore as much as we hope. Well, South and East are pretty South much East. guaranteed. Yeah. Hey, if they can make it to Boston Fig, they can come back to the same spot for PAX East. Yep. Oh, man. Now, now that we've gone through two creepy games, and honestly, even Sad Hill Cemetery wasn't a creepy game. It just had a creepy name. I'm kind of loath to mention that the next game I'm just going to bring up was called Ten Candles. And that's a rules light horror RPG. Ugh. And by RPG, I mean a tabletop RPG. Very similar to Dread, actually. Instead of a Jenga tower, there are ten candles lit up on the table in front of you. And that represents your hope. Ultimately, though, this is a game where all of the characters will die at the end. Oh, great. Spoilers. <laughs> It's just about telling their story up until that point and figuring out you know, how, how do they rage against the dying of the light. As the players set up scenes and try to make the best of it in this dying world where the monsters are coming, you'll be rolling dice. One die for each candle still lit. As long as you get a single six, you've succeeded on the roll. But... Once you fail a roll, the scene ends immediately, and you snuff out a candle. Usually, bad things will have happened. If you accidentally snuff out a candle, the same thing happens. Scene ends, you go on. Until finally, well, then as the game goes on, and as people start failing rolls, that hope, that optimism about being able to succeed at whatever it is you do because rolling 10 dice just to get one six are great odds those candles start dwindling the dice that you start rolling grow fewer and soon your survivors are burning up and throwing away their traits the things that make them who they are just in order to get get one more reroll until finally all the candles are snuffed out and the end game is narrated. It's a really interesting system because, different than Dread, you can see the tension of the story just by looking at how many candles are left. And the story ramps up to that point, getting faster and faster, because once you're only rolling three dice, once you're only rolling two dice, what are the chances you can actually roll a six on one of those? So everybody feels that pressure and everybody feels the story move along. A really interesting system. I'm looking forward to digging into the rules. And even if I don't play a game of Ten Candles, even though I'm pretty sure I will, because it's perfect for a horror one-shot on Halloween, I think there are interesting mechanics I can bring into my own games. That's the last creepy game I have for you, Megan. Good, because I don't like them. <laughs> and the final game I wanted to mention was called Clean Up Your Room. <laughs> well, this sounds like something I need. 
<laughs> it was literally a game where you and your other siblings, aka the other players, have a bunch of trash in your room, and you need to tuck it away underneath your bed, in your closet, in your dresser, so that you can tell mom that you've cleaned up your room and you can go out to play. This is my life story. <laughs> you don't need a game in order to No, I don't. Do I don't. I mean, because my room is disgusting and I also just throw everything in the closet. <laughs> Where I came from. Ha <laughs> ha. So there's lots of room now. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of room now. Do you do you have to do this when Kate comes over? Clean up? Yeah. No. I just leave it all out. <laughs> But, you know, the first time, so after my first date with Joey and she ended up coming back to the house after, um, I did get here first and I ran around the house and like cleaned up, like picked up piles and piles of like clothes and trash and like other things and just threw them in the closet. And it was a freaking avalanche when I opened the closet to let everything out. (laughs) It was really not good. Okay. But in this in this new babe relationship, whatever. Well, <laughs> I mean, I did clean up the first time she came over <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> My mom actually told me not to let her come over until I had cleaned up. She was like, you better not invite that girl over. Wow. She explicitly told you that your room is too messy to show anyone. Yep. As a first impression. Yep. And she hasn't even been here since last Thanksgiving. So she would have no way of knowing other than just knowing me. And knowing that you're not going to change. Yes, and knowing that I'm not going to change. But last summer, my crazy neighbor, Lisa, who I had walking Frisbee for a little bit, she gave me a book. I wish I could remember the exact title of it, but it was basically like the Zen art of tidying up. And she was just like, very casually one day like oh i have this book that i think you'd like to read oh god and i let me just bring it by i think like maybe you'd like it so you know just tell me what you think and so she brought it over and like i'm thinking she's gonna give me something that i would like to read like i don't know you know when i read a lot of books by celebrities like tina fey and like mindy kaling and stuff like that Amy Poehler. So I'm like, okay, you know, she knows me pretty well. She'll get me something I like. And then it's this, like, feng shui, like, clean up your shit. Your life will be better. You'll be more organized. You'll be at peace in your mind and your heart if your house is not disgusting. And I was like, I'm so insulted, but I really can't say anything because it's totally true. (laughs) And then, like, the rest of her family would be like, did you read that book yet? Did you read that book yet? And I was just like, no. Oh, my God. They actually called you out on it? Oh, not yeah. Just Lisa? No. Everybody <laughs> called me out on it. Whew. That, folks, is your lesson in uh, Passive Aggression 101. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to see change in someone, don't talk with them about it. Just buy a book and give it to them. Yep. Or write it yourself. They'll get the message. Yeah. Just do it on some computer paper. So, how did this game work other than cleaning up? (laughs) So, each item of... I wouldn't say they're all trash. A lot of them had positive point values, actually. Things like crayons, toy robots, even animals. You would have to spend an action to put them into your closet or on the bed. Or, rather, under your bed or on the desk. Each item in your room would 
count toward points at the end. Once you have no more items left on your floor, everything is put away, the game ends. The trick is that there are a few items that have negative point values, trash. Uh, the best example is that there is a card for dirty tissues. Ugh. Like, ugh. Ugh, what? Ew. And of course, being the filthy-minded people we were. Yep. That's why I just <laughs> had that little outburst. When we saw that Chris decided to put those dirty tissues underneath his bed, because any trash under your bed doesn't count as negative points. Oh, man. Our minds were set alight with gutter thoughts. Ugh. Were there dirty socks to go with those dirty tissues? <laughs> Crusty socks? Regular socks. There should have been. Ugh. There are, they actually give you a, a couple extra blank cards so you can write your own. Oh, great. This game also had a bit of a take that element because you could choose to use one of your two actions to take something from your floor and toss it in someone else's room. That said, I I thought it was an interesting game to make a narrative out of. Dirty Tissues were the perfect example. Blech. Especially when someone used an event card to move those dirty tissues onto his desk. But it didn't really catch me as a, as a game to play competitively or just a game to exert any kind of strategy onto. Now, that's an odd amount of negative praise to give to a game that I actually ended up winning. And not only winning the game, but winning a copy of the game. Oh, that's what I assumed you meant, that you had won a copy. You know I have a live family luck. Yep. The developer was offering a chance to win a copy of the game to anybody that played in a demo and won, or found one of the hidden toy animals. He had actually secreted around the entire gym and around the other tables or if you played all of the kid-friendly games around the convention and reported back if you did any one of those you would spin one of those ball cages that they use for bingo and you would guess a letter b-i-n-g-o if you pulled up your letter you'd win so despite the odds of i would only get this roll if I actually won the game, and even if I rolled it, I would still only have a 20% chance, I guessed B, and I got B. So now I have a signed copy of a game that I'm probably never going to play. That is mediocre to you. Yeah, unless I want to have more dirty tissue narratives. Ugh. <laughs> I'll try this game out. Okay. <laughs> I'll bring it for Pack South. Sounds good. And that was the, those are the five notable games I came across at Boston Fig. There were dozens and dozens and dozens. It's a surprisingly expansive convention. There's no way you can get through it in a day. And I've been going for the past few years now. I really love it. I like seeing interesting things and interacting with, with passionate people. If you're in the Boston area or are able to get down to it, I'd highly recommend it. And I'd say that wraps up this episode of Swag Tier. Yo, yo. yo. Woof. No! <laughs> God damn it, Frisbee! Shut up! No! <laughs>